Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing tonight's slate of DFS college basketball on DraftKings. That is for Wednesday, January 18th. We've got a nice little 12-game slate that DraftKings is offering us. A lot of good matchups. The Big East is taking center stage in this one. Um, We've got a lot of juicy matchups, a lot of good players to target, a lot of guys that I like on this slate. And I'm going to get to them here on the podcast today. If you are interested in my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I'm putting up my DFS picks for college basketball, NFL, golf, and more. Speaking of golf, if you check the episode feed, check out yesterday's episode where we previewed the American Express tournament that is happening on the PGA Tour this week. Um, You know, pretty much if you are into DFS betting or one and done competitions for golf, uh, you will find what you need there on that episode. And we've got more content coming your way later on during the week as we have our NFL preview for the divisional round coming up also. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the preview. So we're going to first recap last night's slate um, because, you know, I think that kind of gets lost in DFS college basketball is actually analyzing what happened as opposed to, you know, looking ahead. So we're going to recap last night's slate, then we're going to get into tonight's slate, talk about the guard spot and the forward spot, guys, at every price range that I want in my lineups tonight. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and dive into it. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So I mentioned how that tonight the Big East is taking center stage for DFS contests. Well, last night it was the Big 12's turn, and they gave us some really good matchups, the first of which was Kansas versus Kansas State, which went into overtime. And we saw in this one Jalen Wilson just absolutely go off. He's continuing to make his case for National Player of the Year, and he's a guy that pretty much night in and night out on DraftKings you can put into your lineups. Now, when you look at his scoring in terms of, like, when to play him opportunity-wise, he seems to be pretty correlated with Kansas's total. When Kansas scores more points, Jalen Wilson's going to score more points. So you want to deploy him in more up-tempo situations uh, as opposed to some of the rock fights that he's going to see you know, in the Big 12 coming up. Um, but he definitely had himself a night last night. And on the other side, Keontae Johnson for Kansas State was really good. Like, if you watch this game, he was owning the boards. He was, you know, really dominating Kansas inside. Kansas doesn't really play a true five-man. So it's beginning to look like um, more and more, the bigger of a sample size we get, the big guys going up against Kansas is going to be a leverage spot that we can play, and it's a pretty good matchup that Keontae Johnson took advantage of last night. Now, Texas-Iowa State, the potential revenge game for Tyrese Hunter, which ended up being a revenge game for all the Iowa State fans. Um, It was very, um, I don't know, this was a very disjointed game in my opinion. You kind of just saw a lot of runs one way and the other. Texas had a lot of miscues. They had a lot of missed layups, just dumb turnovers. And I think Texas as a whole is a better team than they showed in this one. They're going to score more points than this on a nightly basis. But the impressive part of this one to me was Iowa State. The St. Bonaventure transfers, Jaron Holmes and Asuna Asuni really, really showed up in this one. Uh, Jaron Holmes, I think, is a guy that has the potential to become um, this type of player moving forward and has a lot of upside in the future for DFS. And Asuna Asuni, he's taken advantage of the absence of Koontz, you know, Iowa State's normal big man, and he showed up as a rim protector, as a scorer, as a rebounder last night. Texas is becoming another team that I think you can target big men against, and Asuni proved that, and Asuni was really, really good last night. If you played him, he absolutely paid off his value. Now, the last thing that I do want to point out is I actually pointed this out on Twitter. So go follow me on Twitter if you haven't already, at Mike's Money Picks. Uh, I dropped some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here during the episodes, and I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions. So I dropped this one on Twitter. The Alabama stars, Mark Sears and Brandon Miller, they're both great, right? 
well, they actually don't make great stacking options. There has not been a game this season where both of them simultaneously hit four times value for their current salaries. So I think that when you look at Alabama, it's a game where you can pick one of the two. It's either going to be a Sears game or a Miller game. And then if you want to drop down to one of their value plays, such as maybe a Jaden Bradley or a Javon Quinterly, you know, um, Noah Clowney maybe, but those guys are going to be more stackable options as opposed to going with Sears and Miller together. It's very interesting how that works out. It's like they, you know, um, it's very like mid-2010s Oklahoma City Thunder where um, it's either going to be a Durant night or a Westbrook night, not very often a simultaneous night. Um, Maybe that's not the best comparison in the world for their two play styles, but anyway, that's kind of what it seems like to me. Like They're just not two guys you can stack together. Um, also, we were right yesterday uh, about Houston. Houston is a better offensive team than they get credit for, uh, and when they play in an up-tempo game, they're going to be a team that you want to get a lot of pieces of because they're going to be pretty affordable because generally speaking, their games don't get very high in the totals, but when they're going to play an up-tempo team like a Tulane, they're going to score a lot of points, and they're going to be a lot of good options to play for that Houston Cougars team. All right, so tonight, we got a few games that we want to target. Uh Looking ahead to tonight, Xavier at DePaul as the highest over-under of the night. It's at 158.5. Xavier is 16th and DePaul is 79th in tempo, according to Ken Palm. Arkansas at Missouri is another game we want to look at. It's actually a pickup, you know, two, totally even point spread. And the total is 156.5, second on the slate. So both teams are implied 78 points in this one. And then we got Providence at Marquette. The total is 153, and both teams in this one are implied over 73 points. Providence will be dependent on the health of Bryce Hopkins. All right, so now that we talked about last night, we talked about the three games tonight that are going to be the ones that we want to target. Let's see how we can fit the, some of those guys into our lineup. So let's start by breaking down the guard position, but let's take a quick breather first. So looking at the top guard options for tonight, the highest price guard on the slate is Xavier's Suli Boom. And I got to be honest, y'all, I kind of feel like the two teammates, Suli Boom and Colby Jones, should be closer to even in price than they actually are. Um, in their most recent game against Marquette, Boom had 33.5 fantasy points and Colby Jones had 35.5 fantasy points, which is pretty close, right? Now, the way they get their points is different. Boom does it by scoring. He's Xavier's number one bucket getter. Basically, um, I don't know if he does currently lead them in scoring, but he's the guy that they're setting up plays for where, you know, he's creating his own shot. He's creating off the dribble. He's coming off of screens. You know, they're getting the ball in his hands to score it. Colby Jones does a lot more than score. He does a lot on the boards. He gets a lot of assists. He gets some steals defensively as well. And they kind of end up at similar point totals, just getting their different ways. I kind of think that their price tag should be like near identical. And I honestly kind of think the same thing about Xavier's two bigs as well, Nunji and Fremantle. But I kind of... I'm more inclined to think that Jones is a better play on this slate just because he's lower in price. Now, that doesn't make Boom a bad play. Like, I'm, honestly, Boom could end up outscoring Jones, but if the two of them should be close to each other in price and there's a gap, I'm inclined to, you know, drop down and take that little bit of salary relief that I can get for playing Colby Jones. Now, for the other high-priced guards, Missouri's Kobe Brown has a lot of upside, and he is a GPP play, in my opinion. He has five games this season over 40 fantasy points. He also has multiple games under 20 fantasy points. Now, in those five games where he's been over 40 fantasy points, Missouri's totals have been very erratic. 
He's done it in games where Missouri scored anywhere from 64 to 96 real points. So he's not dependent on Missouri scoring a lot of points to get his own production. Missouri has implied 78 points in this game against Arkansas. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Kobe Brown to get to that high upside game that we can get from him. Louisville's L. Ellis. I almost feel sorry for He's actually one of my favorite plays on this late tonight. Y'all, he is like all Louisville has. Like, it's kind of sad watching Louisville. Like, they're just, they don't have a whole lot else other than L. Ellis. And in terms of his fantasy production, he just needs the game to be close so that he can get his full allotment minutes and his full usage because his usage is insane. In games this season where the margin of victory is 11 points or less, he's averaged 39 fantasy points in those games. He is also about five fantasy points per game better at home than on the road. And guess what? The spread on this game is 10 and a half, and this game is at the KFC Yum Center. Yes, that's the name of Louisville's arena. It's a home game. So I really like this spot for L. Ellis as a potential close game and a home game, two situations that he has done very well in so far this season. And I think that this could be a big night for L. Now, dropping down to the 7K range, Mike Miles Jr. feels a little underpriced to me. He's been over 40 fantasy points in two of his five conference games, and we have seen West Virginia will push the tempo. We've also seen guards be very successful against West Virginia, so I have no problem going back to Mike Miles tonight. Marquette also has a two-guard system like Xavier does, except with Tyra Kolek and Cam Jones, they're a little more stackable because they're a little more correlated. Um, That was tough to say. So Tyler Kolek is their assist guy. He is their distributor. Cam Jones is more of a score and rebounder. And the last game against Xavier, the last game they played, which was a pretty up-tempo game, if I should say so, Tyler Kolek absolutely went off, and Cam Jones still got to 3.6 times value. So you can definitely still stack both of these guys together and trust that you'll get to eight times total value, which is what you really want. Um, you really want more than that to win a GPP, but eight times total value would not kill your lineup if you played both of them. For Pitt, Jamarius Burton has some upside against a Louisville team that struggles to defend and score and rebound and not turn the basketball over. You get the picture. Louisville's bad. but So the Jamarius Burton and a lot of other Pitt Panthers have some upside tonight going up against that matchup. Umoja Gibson for DePaul is the ultimate GPP play. He has literally the most erratic game log I have ever seen. You never really know when it's coming. Generally speaking, he needs the game to be pretty close to do to have a big game. And DePaul is not projected to get blown out in this one. So I think he's got a decent tempo up opportunity against Xavier, who really likes to push the tempo. And so Umoja Gibson might actually turn in a good GPP performance tonight. Looking down at the 6K range, I'll be honest, y'all, I keep waiting for a price adjustment on Virginia's Armand Franklin. He's been over 27.5 fantasy points in four t- or in six straight games. And in those six straight games, he's hit over four times value for his current salary. And he's been more than 31 fantasy points in four of those six games. He might not have slate-breaking upside that'll like win you a GPP just by putting him in your lineup. But I will take at least four times value any day. I think he can get to five times value at his current salary. I think Virginia Tech will push the tempo a little bit, you know, bring Virginia's possessions up just a little bit. So I think that he's a pretty good value. Uh, I see no issues with putting him in my lineup until his price goes over 7K. Devontae Davis, a.k.a. Debo Davis of Arkansas, is the guy in this range that has slate-breaking upside. He had 41.5 fantasy points against Alabama, and the absence of Nick Smith Jr. from the Arkansas lineup has led to extra minutes and extra usage for Debo Davis, so I absolutely think this is a good spot against a Missouri team that likes to push the tempo. The 5K range for guards has... 
quite a few plays that I like. There's four guys that I want to talk about. Um, Almir Dahls of Seton Hall. UConn is not the best matchup. UConn does not play at a fast tempo. UConn is a very good defensive team. So this is not the best matchup for Almir Dahls and the rest of the Seton Hall Pirates. But Almir Dahls has been pretty much on fire as of late. He's been really shooting the ball well, which has led to more minutes and it's led to more fantasy production. Now, Seton Hall has been a team that's kind of trying to find themselves. They've been very inconsistent with their rotations and their scoring and their usage rates. So I think that Dawes is definitely a GPP play, but he is a guy that has been looking good as of late and it would not shock me if the Pirates kept going back to him. What I anticipate to be the highest owned value play of the slate is going to be Alan Flanagan of Auburn. He has three straight games of over 30 minutes and over 24 fantasy points in those three games. And LSU is not a great defensive team. They're ranked 90th in Ken Palm defensively. That's in the bottom half of the, v- of the SEC. And so I definitely think that this is a good spot for Flanagan. Um, like I said, I expect him to be highly owned, but for good reason. He has the ability to go for five times value very easily. Now, there are two more 5K plays that I like. Um, these guys are in the bottom half of the 5K range. Jermaine Cousinard, or Cousinard, 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 Cousinard. I'm going to go with Cousinard. Jermaine Cousinard of Oregon flashed his upside with a 44.8 fantasy point performance against Arizona last Saturday. Now, he gets Cal tonight. Cal does not play at the same tempo as Arizona, but... Cal is a considerably worse defensive team than Arizona. Cal is ranked 181st in the nation in defense, according to Ken Palm. So if Cousinard can go off like that against Arizona, he has the potential to go off like that against Cal. And 44.8 fantasy points, that's something that I want in my lineup every time. So um, sign me up for Jermaine Cousinard tonight. Uh, I definitely like his upside, and I like the fact that that Cal defense is not good. Now, Milos Uzan of Oklahoma. I really like tonight. Now, the game that they're going to be playing against Oklahoma State is going to be a rock fight. Like, it's not going to get to 130. But he's taking a hold of that point guard role. Against West Virginia, Milos Uzan had 30.3 fantasy points, which is six times value just about for his current salary. Now, that also leads me to like Mike Miles a little bit more. If a point guard in the 5K range can do that to WVU, um, then how's a point guard like Mike Miles going to go? So uh, I definitely like Milos Uzan tonight. He's taking hold of that point guard role. He's distributing the ball well. He's scoring the ball as well. Um, And I think that the point guard position, WVU is a little susceptible to. So I think this is a good spot for Uzan. Now, looking at the 4K range and below, in the 4K range, Providence's Noah Locke and Allen Breed have the potential to get another game of boosted minutes and usage without Jared Bynum. Jared Bynum is a game-time decision in this one, so I don't know for sure about Locke and Breed, but they're definitely in a good spot if Bynum does sit. Cal's Dewan Clayton has played in five games this season, but in those five games, he has one 20 fantasy point performance and one 40 fantasy point performance, so you're getting a lot of upside out of a guy at a low salary. Nike Sabande of Pitt, to me, has a lot of upside against Louisville. He's been over 27 fantasy points four times this season, which is a lot of upside for a guy at his price tag. Now, two guys that I kind of like, but I want to see it first before I put them actually in my lineups are Ice Likely and Tanner Holden of Ohio State. Y'all, I just, these two guys were really good players at their former schools. Ice Likely at Iowa State, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, and then Tanner Holden at Wright State. They were really good players last year, and I just refuse to believe that they're not going to be fantasy relevant at Ohio State 
Like, I just, I, like, one of them has to take hold of the point guard role. One of them has to get the usage and minutes required to be good. It just has to happen. Like, they're too good of players for one of them not to do it. So, I'm, I'm in kind of a wait-and-see mode on them. I'm not going to play them tonight, but it's definitely a situation that I'm monitoring going forward. I think the two of them, you know, one of them is going to have a lot of upside eventually at some point this season, but it's not just yet right now. Now, Below 4K, Caleb Asbury of Oklahoma State has a three-game stretch of 19, 29, and 34 fantasy points, and his salary is still $3,900. Jump on this opportunity. I don't care about the game environment. Give me that total for a guy that's um, scoring, or his salary is only 3,900 points. Now, a near punt play is Rodney Rice of Virginia Tech. He made a season debut for Virginia Tech last game. He played 30 minutes and had 13.5 fantasy points against Syracuse. Now, it's a much tougher matchup against UVA, but he's only $3,500. And $3,500 for a guy playing 30 minutes and with a lot of upside because it's his second game, uh, I definitely think he's worth a look if you need some salary relief. All right, that does it for the guard spot. Let's take a quick breather and then talk about some forward. All right, so switching to the forward position, I got to be honest, y'all, this kind of looks like a five-guard slate in my opinion. I really like a lot of those values that I just mentioned at the guard spot better than a lot of these at the forward spot. And so you can definitely use those util spots in your lineup on DraftKings to overload the guards and kind of just get the forwards that you want to play as opposed to trying to fit in extra ones. This is not my favorite slate to spend up at forward either. Um, I think that you can go with you know multiple of the high-priced guards and avoid the top price forwards, and I think you'll be just okay. Now, there is some upside for these high price forwards, though. Colin Castleton has been outstanding lately for Florida. He's had a very up-and-down season. Well, Florida and Texas A&M is actually a rematch, y'all. And Castleton only had 30 fantasy points against Texas A&M last time, so I would not rely on more than maybe 35 to 40 out of him this time. So he's kind of a pass for me uh, just based off of that past performance. Now, K.J. Williams of LSU, very good player. He's won us some money because he's had some big games this season, but he's very correlated with his own team's scoring, and I just don't think this is the best spot for LSU going up against Auburn. Um, so I would probably tend to avoid him tonight. But like I said, he's capable of that big game. We've seen it before. He, he's more of a GPP play, um, but I don't think that this is the best spot for him to potentially go off. Auburn's Janai Broom is consistent when he stays out of foul trouble, and going up against K.J. Williams has me a little worried that he can get in foul trouble. So, um, like I said, y'all, I could kind of just drop below this high-priced forward range and have no problem. Now, one guy I do want to talk about is Bryce Hopkins. So, he is a game-time decision with, I believe it's an ankle injury, and Providence's hopes in keeping this game close and potentially winning this game against Marquette hinge on him playing. He's very important to their success. I think he does play. But if he does not, I think that Marquette's two bigs, Oso Iguodaro and Olivier Maxence Prosper, immediately become more appealing. Providence will be a worse rebounding team if Hopkins does not play. And so that gives more rebounds to the Marquette guys, Iguodaro and Maxence Prosper. And so... I definitely like those two of Hopkins sits. And Clifton Moore is the guy for Providence that would be the beneficiary of the Hopkins minutes and the Hopkins usage if he does, in fact, sit this game out. So um, that's just a guy to look at. And I definitely, I think he plays in this one, but it's definitely a situation to monitor before you just lock him into your lineup. Now, I talked about the Xavier guards being kind of a toss-up. Well, their bigs are kind of a toss-up as well between Fremantle and Nunji. 
I tend to think that Nunji has a little more upside. He's the bigger of the two. He can kind of take advantage of a smaller DePaul front court. Uh, Fremantle's still a solid play as well, but between the two of them, I would probably take Nunji, which means that because I'm saying that, it's probably going to be Fremantle that goes off. But um, everything I see tells me to prefer Nunji. Now, I do like two rebounders in this slate that have a little bit of upside, uh, and that is Nafali Dante of Oregon and Blake Henson of Pittsburgh. And, y'all, it's all about who they're going up against. Like, we've targeted rebounders going up against bad teams before, and it's worked out for us. Because simply put, if you're a rebounder and you're going up against a bad team, you're going to miss a lot of shots. So you're going to get a lot of rebounds, which lead to some assist opportunities on outlet passes. And so Nafali Dante going up against Cal, Blake Henson going up against Louisville. I definitely think that those two guys have a lot of upside, just if nothing more than their rebounding totals for tonight. Now, looking at the 7K range, the first forward that like I feel really, really good about in terms of a consistency standpoint, like a guy you can count on to hit value tonight is Bryce Sensabaugh of Ohio State. In my opinion, he is a misprice. He has seven straight games over 30 fantasy points. He might not have the ceiling of some of the guys ahead of him, but if you're looking to spend up at the guard position, you don't need to go further up at the forward spot than Sensabaugh because he's going to hit value. That's all you need. Now, Caleb Boone got a big price increase after um, his recent performances without Musa Cisse in the lineup, but it looks like Cisse is going to miss this one again. And in those three games without Cisse, and he put up one dud, he's averaged 30 fantasy points in those three games. So Caleb Boone, definitely worth a look as long as Musa Cisse is out of the lineup. Now, the 6K range has some true GPP plays but I'm fine if you avoid it altogether. The ultimate GPP play in college basketball right now is Donovan Klingon of Utah. Or I'm sorry, UConn, not Utah. Donovan Klingon just has the incredible range of up and down performances that I have truly never seen in DFS college basketball before. He had 47 fantasy points two games ago. He had six fantasy points last game. And I mean, like, there's no telling like how this happens either. Like it's not like it happens against certain matchups or certain game flows. Like you just don't know when he's going to get minutes and when he's going to get production because when he gets the 20 minutes, he's been incredible, but there's games where he's played like two and gotten like five fantasy points and you just don't know when it's coming. So if you're a true GPP guy, Donovan Klingon has to be in your lineup because you never know when he's going to go off. Now, Two other GPP guys that I like are the DePaul Bigs, Nelson and Penn, as well as Auburn's Jalen Williams. They all have 40 fantasy point performances at some point this season. So you have three guys that have a lot of upside in this range that if you're not a GPP guy, just avoid it. If you are a GPP guy, Nelson, Penn, and Williams all give you some upside. Zed Key for Ohio State is starting to ramp up his minutes after returning from injury, and I think this is a prime spot against an undersized Nebraska team that might be missing Jawan Gary again. And so I could totally see this being Zed Key's kind of return to dominance, return to glory, and have him back up in the 7K range where he's been most of the season. In the 5K range, Ben Vanderplas just got the starting spot for UVA, and he has immediately two performances of 40 fantasy points and 29 fantasy points. If he's going to continue to start, he's going to be a guy who's going to put up fantasy points, and I think he's a really good value for tonight. For Louisville, Brendan Huntley-Hatfield is, I would say, more likely than, well, that's a terrible way to phrase it. I would say that it's more likely he doesn't play than that he does play. 
Yeah, I, I worded that better that time. Brandon Huntley Hadfield, more likely that he doesn't play than does play. And if he does not play, then I really do like Withers and Curry of Louisville to capitalize on some minutes, some usage, some rebounds. Um, it's what they did against Carolina. And I think that both of them will be a, a decent upside look if, if Hatfield does not play. Now for the 4K range and below, I've talked about Xavier's kind of two dynamic duos. Well, Jerome Hunter is the fifth wheel, but... He's getting a lot of run with that fifth wheel. He's had four times value in five of his last six games. He's seeing his minutes just be steadily in the 20 to 25 range, and he's producing in those minutes. I have no problem deploying him in DFS tonight. Jalen Graham of Arkansas is a guy that we've liked on this podcast and in my picks articles before. Um, he has a lot of upside. He's a guy that has a lot of offensive ability on a team that um, needs a bucket getter at times. Um, I think he has a lot of upside as long as he doesn't get ejected for fighting again. Um, actually I need to probably double check to make sure that that ejection did not carry an automatic suspension, but yes, he did get ejected his last game for fighting, but if he plays, I think he's got a lot of upset. Now, another guy, uh, Jacoby Coles of TCU is playing very like not a whole lot of minutes, but he's averaging over one fantasy point per minute. And he's a guy that if they go a little bit bigger in this game against WVU, he's a guy that can definitely, um, you know, definitely pay off his value. And I already mentioned Clifton Moore of Providence. If Bryce Hopkins does not play, he would be a lineup lock, in my opinion. All right, that does it for the forward position, guys. And that does it for the preview for tonight's slate. Hopefully, I gave you guys plenty of options that if you want to spend up or spend down at certain spots, target certain games, target certain matchups. Hopefully, I gave you guys a lot of options for building your lineups tonight. If you want to see how I started my lineup for tonight, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Also, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I drop some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to on the show, and I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions. All right, so like I said, hopefully that helped you guys prepare for tonight's big 12-game slate. Um, best of luck to you guys in all of your DFS endeavors. Make sure you rate and subscribe to the podcast. We will be back later this week. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.